here today. Um, how are you guys doing? You guys doing good? I like to hear a little vocal, a little come, come back and tell me you guys are having a great day in the sunshine, right? Did you guys know it's supposed to get over 90, like 97 this week? Whew, come to the AC. We have AC here. <laughs> uh, but really excited that summer finally decided to show up, right? Um, I, I feel like we're just now, because it took so long to get some warmth, we're just starting our summer, and it's already like near the end of uh, uh, July. I almost said August. We're getting close to August. Uh, and then kids go back to school August 31st. Did you know that? So it's like we're going to get a small summer, just, just gearing you up for that, right? Um, but I have a few announcements for us this morning. Uh, tomorrow is our Band of Brothers gathering. So gentlemen, come on out. Just There's dinner. So if anything, there's dinner, AC, there's AC, uh, <laughs> but also great connection. It's a great time for you to connect with some of the other guys that get connected here in your church in that way. Um, and then also we have a worship night coming up in August, and I want to tell you a little bit about it. If you remember last summer, uh, Pastor Weston did a worship night. It was fabulous. We've actually had a couple of them this year. And then our encounter group, which is a newer group, it's for young adults, young families, uh, young married, all that. Uh, it's, it's a group for the youngers, and I'm not in that group anymore, I'm sad to say. Uh, however, Pastor Darius has been leading that group, and they decided to partner together. Pastor Weston and Pastor Darius are partnering together to do a worship night. So it's a full church family uh, kind of function. Come and worship together on August 14th. It should be a really great opportunity for you to come together and worship for an extended period of time. Wouldn't that be great? What we just did, this worship is amazing, right? Uh, to be able to do that for a little bit longer is just kind of great. So we hope you can come for that. And how many of you are ready to hear an update from Pastor Greg? Are you guys feeling like, how's he doing? Are you wondering? <laughs> uh, because he hasn't been present on social media. You're like, sure, maybe, sure, he said he wasn't going to be, but I'm going to check just in case. No, really, he's not doing any social media, but he is doing great. If, I, if you remember a couple weeks ago, I was here and I said he's made some alterations to his plan. And, uh, but they're good alterations. So I've been given the green light to tell you, he did come home for a brief period of time because some of you said, did we see him in town? Well, some of you may have, he kind of, his knees were not happy with the bicycling. So he got a new bike. <laughs> and now he's having a much better time on his journey. <laughs> But because he got a new bike, uh, he decided it would take, he'd get to California way too fast, so he started heading east instead. And uh, so here's some pictures he's taken from um, Montana. He was driving, or how do you, riding through Montana. He got a couple pictures to show you beautiful scenery. That is not Mount Peak. Somebody said that looked like Mount Peak. I'm telling you, that's actually Montana. It just looks a lot like Mount Peak. He really did leave Enumclaw, that's <laughs> the point. Uh, actually, he's made it all the way to Wyoming at this point. So um, you can pray for your pastor. He really is having a good journey. Uh, Miss, Miss Rhonda sent me a message this morning, and she said to share with the church uh, that he's in Wyoming in the Boontulis. Do you know what that is? That's her words, not mine, Boontulis. He's in the Boontulis. That means somewhere in the middle of nowhere, right? Uh, but he really is seeking the Lord. It's been a great journey for him. So just keep praying for him as he's on this journey. Uh, I've heard from a number of you. We've heard from a number of you just how fun it has been to hear from a number of our pastoral team, uh, a couple of our church members, and then also today as our first missionary is going to join us today. Uh, pastor Greg actually knows uh, Mitch McGee is our pastor uh, today. If you remember... Uh, 
in May, he actually came and shared kind of a missionary moment with us, brought a refugee with him to share, and we got to, uh, to see and to hear and to talk uh, with him just it, back in May. And Pastor Greg invited him to come and preach today. They've known each other for a while, I heard. I learned this morning they went on a missions trip a long while back uh, <laughs> to the Argentina area through Brazil, actually trailed on the Amazon. So they have some history, these guys. Uh, I, I'm kind of, I was here for a service and I was like, I thought maybe he'd share more stories <laughs> of his time. But no, it's actually really awesome. We're, we're glad to invite you to the stage. Mitch, uh, Director of New Hope Outreach Ministries. Thank you uh, very much. Reaching Orphans and Widows. Yes, yes, thank you for joining right. us today. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, um, to give you just an update, Pastor Greg and I have known each other. We went on a trip to Brazil and Argentina together. And we got lost on the Amazon together. That was an experience. So it's midnight. Our boat is trying to find its way back on the Amazon. By the way, did you know it's dark on the Amazon at midnight? <laughs> and they can't, they're lost. They're in some sort of little channel off the, there, and, and we're lost. And so, but we're having a great time. We're just sitting, enjoying the stars, enjoying company, cool breeze. Uh, it was just a wonderful time. We did eventually make it back. I, I, you know, I can tell you that. But we did get lost on the Amazon together. So what an experience uh, that we had there. This is an incredible church, a place to be. I just, you know, just wow. Just wow. I, I tell you, the Holy Spirit is here this morning. The Holy Spirit is working in this place today at this moment when we celebrate communion. I tell you, that's always a special time because we have an opportunity to remember that Jesus died. But better than that, he rose again. And better than that, he's coming back for us. I tell you, we have hope like nobody's business. The rest of the world, maybe rest of religion, whatever, they, they may not be having the kind of hope, but we have hope. We believe. And so we speak what we believe. That's one of the things that, that we're required to do. So New Hope Outreach Ministries, we're a ministry to widows and orphans, elderly and handicapped in five countries around the world. We've been working in Ukraine with the uh, Ukrainian refugees. We actually have a team. Our team is up in, in Poland right now working at, a, at an orphanage that has over 700 Ukrainian orphans there. We're actually living on site, working with them on a daily basis, ministering to their spiritual needs, bringing in things for their physical needs. They didn't have anything to play with, so we've been able to bring in sports equipment. We've been able to bring in toys. We've been able to bring in things like that. We've been able to bring in Bibles. We've been able to bring in opportunities for them to, to hear about who Jesus is and is changing lives. I tell you about Blasik was one of our kids who arrived there, arrived there from eastern Ukraine, traumatized, dramatically traumatized. And he was a problem child. Nobody could work with him in any way. And yet our team lead got with him and said, Blasik, I want you to help me. I tell you, when you offer to, for a kid who is a troubled child to help, all of a sudden, it changes everything. And so he began working with the team as they were leaning in through some of the skits and some of that that were involved with the, with the kids. And Vlasic, they were talking about this baby Jesus at this time. And then Vlasic said, well, tell me more about this, this Jesus. And then pretty soon, Vlasic has asked Jesus into his heart. 
You know, that's some of the stories that we have going on with these, with these kids that we're working with in, in Ukraine. We're also still working with the elderly and the, and the widows in the country of Ukraine itself. So we have part of our teams there. But I tell you, I just found out this week, our Russian team, it's one of the other countries we're in, has moved the church that we're part of there, has moved the whole team into Marsipol, Marsipol, Ukraine, where it's been occupied. How many of you know that the war has torn through that area incredibly bad? And so now our team from Russia is working with the Ukrainians. Only God could do something like that. I tell you, that's just just a miracle there. We're we're in Kyrgyzstan. We just finished several camps that we have with the with the kids' summer camps there, week long camps for them. One of the camps is for med- uh, mentally handicapped orphans there that we worked with. Uh, we're planning on going back next year. I'm looking to establish a team. We're going to have at least 150 kids at one of the camps we're going to do next year. I want to take a team with me to Kyrgyzstan. So if you're if you're here, especially if you're young and energetic, and you're saying I want to do something. Contact me, to connect with me at the table, grab my card, something like that, and say, maybe this is something for me. Do you want to go and work with that? So I'd love to have you come along for, the, for that journey there. I'm excited to be able to go uh, on that trip. We're in Sri Lanka, horrible economic situation in Sri Lanka, but we're able to minister to the widows of Sri Lanka there. We're ministering to so many there. The, the church that we work with, it's over 300 widows just in that one church region there but we're able to work with uh with so many of those there and then where we have an orphanage in ethiopia i'm going to ethiopia this fall where i'm excited to be able to be part of uh, that trip there those are just a, a little bit just a snapshot i encourage you to come to my table i have a newsletter back there can tell you a little bit more about what's going on uh just some of the things there i want to read you real quick out of the book we have the daily challenge it was written by our founder dr john shane on his over 25 years of missionary experiences it's a daily devotional tells you a little bit about just uh, some of the things it will challenge you it will inspire you it will cause you to say i want to i want to do something for the lord it will. It really is. This is an incredible devotional. Uh, the suggested donation is twenty dollars. There, it goes directly to the orphans and widows as we uh, work with them. It says this: I had the privilege of visiting a dear friend of mine in Nairobi, Kenya. We only spent five days with him, but they were power-packed days. We visited two orphanages there, preached twice in the larger church, went on a one-day safari, watched a Christmas program, and had great fellowship. Nairobi really surprised me. As of this writing, approximately 82% of Kenya is Christian. Isn't that incredible? That is like a miracle. And they're professing Christians. They have relatively new converts, and they need lots of godly teaching to guide them. But everywhere you look, there are churches. Some of them are small, and others are huge. I also visited inside the slums in Nairobi, Kenya, which over close to 1 million people live. So I visited this place and saw firsthand the absolute suffering of the people. I thought of the places where New Hope works, the countries of Sri Lanka and Ethiopia and Russia and Ukraine, and the suffering that takes place in them. I've had a firsthand tour of the slums in India and Kenya and Ethiopia, and these are memories that don't fade away. Jesus said, the poor will be always be with you. And he said it in a way of saying, we have a, a, a responsibility to care for those that are down at the bottom. God says, when you give to the poor, 
you lend to the Lord, and he will be a debtor of no person. Isn't that incredible? The idea that we can actually lend to the Lord, and he promises he will not stay in debt to us, but he will give back extravagantly. We we are called to visit fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep ourselves from unspotted from the world. I will continue to do what I can to help those who are so needful because I know it is the right thing to do. Our workers visit places where most people cannot go. We pay them too little and expect too much of our workers, and yet they go because it is the right thing to do. If we are going to love God and love our neighbors, then we must love them all. What role are you playing to help the helpless? Can you go? Can you help financially? Can you give your time and energy? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him would not perish. God is a giver. God gave. God is a giver. And he's called us to imitate him. He's called us to give. That is why new hope exists. To give to the least, the lost, and the lonely. That is what our, our whole mission is, the least, the lost, and the lonely. Because Jesus said, what you do for the least of these, you've done for me. I came for the lost. And he said, I will be with you always to the lonely. He is our, he is our example. This morning I want to talk about a message called, What is Required? You might be saying, but I thought Jesus did everything. How could anything be required? If Jesus did it all, how could anything be required? And I'm like, wait, well, that's true on one sense. You might be saying, well, but isn't there a verse that says, you know, if I'm starting to depend on on other things to make me right with God, isn't there a verse that says, uh, stand firm in your freedom? Don't let yourself be yoked again by the slavery that comes from the law? And I go, yes, exactly true. Did you know the word of God is sharp? And it cuts deep. It penetrates all the way to the soul and spirit there. It cuts deep. But did you know the word of God cuts this way? And it cuts this way. And what we do when it cuts this way, we go, ouch, ouch, ouch. And we pull up a defense from another direction. Like husbands, love your wives. Ouch. I thought the word says that wives are to submit to your husbands. Word of God cuts. And then it does say wives are to respect and submit to their husbands. But that's cutting in another direction. When the word of God cuts, let it cut deep and not defend yourself from that cut by using a different, you know, different perspective. Let it cut deep when it comes into cut. So this morning I want to talk about what is required. All the things we said about standing firm in freedom are very true. But it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, in light of God's mercy. So there is our response to what Jesus has done. In light of God's mercy, offer yourselves, your bodies, as living sacrifices 
holy and acceptable to God. This is your acceptable, this is your holy, this is your spiritual act of worship. I'm going to talk about an uh, Old Testament verse that kind of pulls that together from the Old Testament side. What do we offer to God? And this is out of Micah chapter 6, verse 8. If you want to turn to your Bibles there, that'd be fine. The question is, what is required of us? Well, the, the setting for this is the nation of Israel is in great rebellion. They've been in rebellion now for centuries, actually, against God, against the covenant relationship, that relationship of love that has said that, that loving kindness, that covenant love that God has established, uses the word has said there, loving kindness. That's the covenant. They've been in violation of this covenant for generations. And so God calls a court case together. And the first five verses of this chapter are about the court case that he's called together. And he says, as my witnesses are the mountains and the seas and everything that there is around us that have seen everything that you've done. And the verdict, broken covenant. That's the verdict at that point. So the question is, what does Yahweh require for a broken covenant? What does Yahweh require? I'd be saying, well, that's the old covenant. Well, we just celebrated communion. And Jesus says this blood is a symbol of the new covenant. See, we are still in a covenant relationship with God, a relationship based out of his love towards us. But it doesn't stop there. And our response towards him and others. That's how that covenant works. So what does God require of a nation and an individual that has broken covenant? Covenant in, in a nutshell is this. In, out, of, out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, Hear, O Israel. Now, this word hear, Shema, this was re recited every day, twice a day. The nation of Israel would recite the Shema in terms of this is what the relationship is about. To hear, to listen is more than just the words coming in and you go, I, I heard them. You know, the, the wife that says to the husband, are you listening to me? So, oh yeah, you were talking about um, uh, dinner. Yes, I remember, that was 10 minutes ago, right? Right? So that's not the kind of listening we're talking about. We're talking about listening to obey. Christianity is a listening, a hearing-based relationship it's about hearing the word of god jesus is the word and responding to it it's not necessarily about our sight it's about our hearing hearing with our heart what god has said hear o israel the lord our god is one love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength you might be saying, well, that's a New Testament concept. But I remember a person in the, or it's an Old Testament concept, sorry. But I remember a person in the New Testament speaking along these lines. Do you happen to remember someone who did that? Jesus, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He comes back to this thing that they have said every single day of their lives as a Jew. And he says, and he says to them, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. 
Matter of fact, the religious leader who was with him, the, law, the lawyer who had asked the question, came back in Mark chapter 12, verse 32, and says, Well said, teacher. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. More important. That's the most important thing to do. Back to Micah. So the people have been accused and have been convicted of breaking covenant. What are they to do? So this is their response. Verse, verse 6. What shall I bring to the Lord? The God of heaven. When I come to worship him. You see it was, it was said. You can't come to the Lord empty handed. Don't come into the Lord's presence empty handed. And you know what? That's the same today. We'll talk about that a little more. But you, to come empty handed. Is, to, is how would we do that to the God of heaven? So how do we come empty-handed? Okay, what, what do we bring him? Shall I bring the best calves as, to burn as an offerings to him? The year-old uh, calf, the one that we've spent a whole year of, uh, working with, and now I'm going to offer it as the best calf. Burned offerings, a little different. Most offerings, uh, you you got to eat some of it, you offered some of it to God, and you got to eat some of it as well. You got to participate. It became a whole community gathering. The burnt offering was totally consumed. Shall I bring an offering that's going to be totally consumed? Is that going to do it? How about this, verse 7? Does the Lord take pleasure in thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of oil. Would he take, would that work? Would that take care of the problem? Hebrews 10, 4 says, the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. Would that do it? Thousands and thousands and 10,000, would that take care of the problem? Okay, doesn't seem like that's gonna do it. So would he be moved? If I sacrifice my firstborn child, my precious baby, to cancel my sin, would that do it? You see, in the cultures around them, child sacrifice was very common. If you, that was the greatest, the ultimate sacrifice. If you wanted to get the attention of your God, you would offer your child as a child sacrifice. And we might be going, that's abhorrent. That's terrible. God says the same thing. Never offer a child as a child sacrifice. That's what he says. I'd be saying, we would never do anything like that. 60 million babies would uh, say different, wouldn't they? Yeah. To the God of convenience. Yeah. If I sacrifice my firstborn child, would that cancel my sin? What would do it? That's not enough. And then verse 8, what is required? No, the Lord has told us what is good, what's beneficial, what's going what's to make things right for us. What he requires of us is this, to do what is just. To love kindness and mercy and to walk humbly 
with your God. What does the Lord require? To do justly, to do what is just, to love mercy and kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. To do justice, to do what is just, to do the right thing, to promote the cause of justice. Who needs justice? Those who can't speak for themselves. They're the ones who need someone to speak on their behalf, to come and say, I want to to come alongside and I want to walk with you and speak on your behalf. We have a family, we were here, there. Jenny was here last time, a Ukrainian refugee family. And we were able to hire an immigration attorney for them. Someone to speak on their behalf so that they could get asylum status, refugee status. We have to have people speaking on the behalf of those that can't speak for themselves. To do justice. Isaiah, same writing at the same time as Micah, about 700 and some odd years before Christ, 750 years, said no one is concerned about justice. In fact, Micah says this in verse 2, 9, you wrongly evict widows among my people and their cherished homes. You defraud their children of their prize inheritance. That is why God always turns to the orphans and widows as the ultimate sign of what does it mean to offer justice because they're the lowest end of society and they can't speak for themselves. Society has said, you're down at the bottom. And God says, no, I will be a father to the fatherless and I will be a husband to the widow and I will be the one who looks after them. And so the one that abuses them is going to suffer from me But the one who speaks on their behalf is speaking as if I am speaking through them. Do justice. James says this. Be sure to live out your message. Do not merely listen to it and so deceive yourself. You see, it's one of the things about Christianity. It's an active belief. We often treat it as it's passive. This is all the things that Jesus did for me. Jesus did all of this for me. And he did. Did all this for me. Then he says, and then we are to respond with action. It's not just to pour it on ourselves. It's to respond with action. We're to respond with action. Be sure to live out the message you've received. That's why our verse, New Hope, is this, James 1.27. Pure and genuine religion, that, that connection with God. In the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So what do we do? Isaiah says this, wash, cleanse yourselves, remove your sinful deeds from my sight, stop sinning. Learn to do what is right. Promote justice. Give the oppressed reason to celebrate. Take up the cause of the orphan. Defend the cause of the widow. Those who can't speak for themselves. Do justice. Love kindness and mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with the heart of mercy, 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Put it on. This morning, how many of you got dressed? Oh, I'm so glad you all got dressed. I really am. That'd be quite embarrassing. So in the morning, you put your clothes on. In the same way, clothe yourself with kindness and mercy, humility. Clothe yourself. Put put that on. Who can you be kind to today? When you find someone has, has come against you, how can I show them mercy today? Clothe yourself with kindness. And then walk in humility. Who is the humblest being in the universe? Who? Jesus. It's the Sunday school answer, right? Okay. Jesus is the humblest person in the universe. Here it is in Revelation 5.11. It says this about Jesus. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands. Oh, can you imagine it? They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Worthy, worthy, worthy. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. And yet in Philippians, it says in 2.6, Though he was God, he did not think equality with God was something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Our Jesus really did become a little baby. He went from that that place of glory to that humble place of a manger. We celebrate it every year, but we sometimes forget exactly what we're celebrating. He became a baby. Jesus, God, the ultimate one, the one whose word caused stars and galaxies to come into being, became a baby. He humbled himself. Jesus says, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He also says, I am not seeking my own glory, but the glory of him who sent me. Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. He humbled himself. When he appeared, verse, uh, back to Philippians, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal death on the cross. You cannot walk in obedience to God without humbling yourself. If you want to walk in obedience, it requires humility. It requires it. Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. You see, we like it when we're served. Right? Guys, right? Yeah. Jesus said, I came to serve. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am one among you who serves. John chapter 13, Jesus says this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And he had come from God and was returning to God. He knew who he was. 
So this is what he did. He got up from the table, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel and wrapping it around him. He humbled himself. He took off his glory robe when he came to earth, and he put on his servant's towel. That's what our Jesus did. So how do we respond? How do we respond to God? David says in Psalm 51, certainly you do not want sacrifice or else I would offer it. You do not desire a burnt sacrifice. The sacrifices God desires are a humble spirit. Oh God, a humble and repentant heart you will not reject. James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. See, our issue is our attitude. Our attitude is that we tend to think more highly of ourselves. Attitude we should have, according to Philippians, is the one that Jesus Christ had. We should think and act like Christ Jesus. Romans, Paul says in Romans 12, 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly than you ought, but think of yourselves with sober judgment. That's how we were to respond. So that's how we respond to God, but how about, is that where it stops? Andrew Murray says this, Humility towards men will be the only sufficient proof that our humility towards God is real. He said that in his book on humility, a great book. So our response towards others, Jesus, after he had washed their feet, he put his outer garment back on, returned to his place at the table and said, do you understand what I've just done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and it's right that you do so because that is what I am. I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You then should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you, so you do just what I have done for you. And it's not about washing feet. Foot washing ceremonies are wonderful. They do incredible things, but it's not about that. It's about serving one another on the lowest level, being willing to serve. It's an active part of life. It's not that passive. It's not that passive. Jesus says, not with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Back in Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Or back to Romans 12, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And then 1 Peter 5, 5 says this. All of you, clothe yourselves, put on humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So what happened with Jesus with this humility? We see the rest of the story in Philippians chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus' humility brought this. He humbled himself, became a little baby, he humbled himself and walked a journey on earth serving us. And then he served us in death. So it says this, Therefore, God 
elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor and gave him a name above all other names. It's the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what happens with humility. God exalted himself. God exalted Jesus. God is the one who brings glory and honor through humility, serving one another. That's where it comes. That's what happens. That's what happens. No. The Lord has told you what is good, and what he requires of us is this, to do what is just, to love kindness and mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we are reminded of how much you love us. Jesus, we're reminded of the fact that you came to serve, not to be served, but to serve. So Lord Jesus, let us take your example and let us find people that we can serve. Let us find those that we can speak on their behalf, those that require our uh, mercy and kindness. Lord, may we turn our eyes towards them. And may we walk in humility in front of you and in front of our our brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray you would convict our hearts with a name of someone that we need to serve, someone we need to speak on behalf of. Convict our hearts with that today, Lord. Change us, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit cut deeply today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you're here this morning and you want to know this Jesus that I've been talking about, this humble man who became, came from heaven, lived on earth, there the staff would love to talk with you about that. I'd love to talk with you about that. Would you stay afterward and just take that few moments and come and talk with one of us? And we would be able to share more about who this Jesus is. Would you stand with me? May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you. May he be gracious towards you and may he be turned towards you. And may you experience his peace today and this week. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be at the table in the back. I'd love to talk with you.